0: All right, so thank you for coming this morning. I just want to give you a little talk since we're going to start pretty soon these uh, terrifying, uh, horrible, scaring Lenten season. Uh, Can Estrada, can give you a whole uh, uh, bunch of websites with different... uh, pair shirts, uh, styles. <laughs> and other stuff like that that you can buy online for good price, Do they have group discounts. <laughs> um, so here is our plan. What is mortification first? Um, how can we regulate, control our passions and finally the asceticism of all our faculties, and we will see what is this asceticism, what does it mean. So let's start Lent and start it on the right foot, only a few more days before Ash Wednesday and then first Sunday of Lent. So what is mortification? The combat against... um, the combat of mortification. As you know, sin has wounded our nature, There has been, since the beginning of this fight between darkness, the powers of darkness and the powers of light, and then with Adam and Eve, there has been a disorder created in nature itself. The whole nature has been um, going through a big chaos in depth, And theology distinguishes a few wounds of these... um, this disorder we we, we witness. There are several wounds in our nature. First, the wound of... This first part will be a little bit more uh, scholastic, if I may say. (coughs) But then it will be more practical. So there is several wounds in our nature. The first one, wound of malice. Which affect effects this wound of uh, willpower, my capacity, when I make a choice to actively perform what I have uh, first in my reason, then to perform the act, I need this willpower. And my willpower has been uh, damaged in a will, in a way, because of this what we call the wound of malice in our nature. My willpower is not directed infallibly toward the divine good anymore. Before the fall of Adam and Eve, uh, my willpower was perfectly ordered to what is good for me, to uh, what is, of course, willed by God. But now, with original sin, it's much more difficult, and we witness that every day in our, in our lives, that I have the intention to do something, but to actually do it, or to avoid it, is a totally different story. It's much harder, because, again, my willpower is no more infallibly Uh, ...directed towards this divine good. There is the wound of ignorance. So that's more regarding my willpower. Then there is the wound of ignorance. (coughs) And this affects our practical (coughs) reason. So as you know, human beings, we have willpower and uh, reason, my intellect, my reason. I need both I need to grab this phone. I need my intelligence to tell me, okay, it's that far, that far from your hand. Uh, you need to stretch your arm and get the phone. So that's my reason. Then my willpower will actually help me to grab the phone, to do the motion that will uh, get to the phone. So here, now, back to uh, my reason, to this practical, practical reason, The everything that I think of, to perform something, practical, to perform something, not just, you know, uh, speculative, speculative, where's the accent, speculative, speculative, Speculative. Speculative. Uh, so it affects our practical reason in the prudential judgments we make, which ends up affecting our speculative reasoning, so my prudential, same thing, we've witnessed that every day, my prudential judgment has been affected by original sin, That's also one of the wounds in our nature. Uh, It's hard to judge wisely of uh, everything we do. We have, you know, uh, everything that surrounds us, sometimes we don't have the whole picture in mind. We have difficulty to see what would be the right judgment, the prudential judgment to have in order to act according to God's will because of my own uh, failures, my own weaknesses, my selfishness, because of uh, circumstances outside of me that I don't necessarily know are, so everything that um, damages my <coughs> capacity to make these prudential judgments uh, right then we have the wound of weakness so here is the practical um, reason The wound of weakness, which affects the irascible appetite in us. What is this irascible appetite? When we talk about the irascible appetite, it's when there is a difficult good to attain. I have these, you know, it's a good thing in itself, irascible appetite. It's this appetite, this tendency, this this force in me that uh, helps me to get to a difficult good. Or, on the contrary, that keeps me away from... A uh, difficult evil—an evil that is um, uh, not difficult evil, but an evil that is um, um, uh, a, a big thing, not like a little, uh, little sin, sin, but something bigger. So, the one of weakness again, which affects the irascible appetite in us, in its capacity to adapt to hard, difficult things in life. So that's here we talk about the irascible appetite. Don't worry about all these terms, but one day we'll have a talk about all the faculties of our human nature. Just for you to remember, it's when it comes to hard things to attain. Hard things, or is concup- concupiscible is not for hard things, but something that is I am naturally attracted to. <coughs> uh, good things or bad things. So it's something much easier in a way, it's more attractive. Words, irascible is when it comes to harder things in life, and this last one is the wound of concupiscence. <coughs> you understand why we say weakness here, because I should have normally this strength, this willpower, this capacity to get towards what is difficult to attain, but because of sin. And my weaknesses, well, I cannot attain these. Or as concupiscence, my concupiscence, which in itself also is something natural, it's part of us, but it has been affected, wounded, by original sin. So that's why I have now, it's much easier for me to fall into sin, to let myself go, you know, towards uh, bad things that are easy to to get, because I don't have anymore this capacity to resist, uh, as it was the case before the fall. So we call this one of again, which makes us now difficult for us to resist our passions. And we will see quickly how our passions, that's also another part of us, our passions, which are totally natural for us, when we hear the word passion, sometimes we think, oh, it's something bad, you know. But no, passions in themselves are neutral. It depends what I do with that, how I deal with them. You know, the passion of anger of joy, love, hatred, uh, fear, all these things can be either positive or negative. They are in us. There is a good anger, if you think of our Lord in the temple, uh, there is a good anger to have, but of course most of the time for us, because of these wounds, it's much harder to control these passions we have and to find the right balance. Okay? Wound of concupiscence. Uh, So when it comes to our passions here. So, to fulfill our supernatural vocation now, we have to grab the reins, I don't know how, yeah, the reins, you know, grab the reins, again, of this impetuous horse to rule once again our lives the way it should be and to, come, to become docile to the divine inspirations we receive. And this work of re-education, re-education, keep in mind this image of the horse, you know, pulling one way to the other, and I constantly need to uh, get the reins straight to control the horse better, this impetuous horse. So this work of re-education is called mortification. Mortification. So again, mortification most of the time has a very negative, uh, we have a very negative understanding of what is mortification. That's why I started talking about the hair shirt and all that. Well, it's not... No, it's not like we think of these monks from the early centuries, you know, uh, doing all these mortifications. No, first of all, it's really just trying to control the horse the right way, so that the horse can get to the destination it's supposed to go. You know, it's not like necessarily always pulling in one side. Uh, no. Of course, it has a negative uh, impact in us, because, mm, you know, the root here, mort mortus, uh, death, in French... M O R T, mort is death. So, um, death, we have to, in a way, kill these, these evil passions. So, yes, there is a form of, there is a negative <coughs> aspect of it, but there is also, as we will see, a very positive aspect of this mortification. And St. Francis de Sales, our dear patron, is, of course, uh, one of the best teachers for this more uplifting, more positive aspect of mortification. And I will quote, if I have time at the end, uh, St. Francis de Sales, his sermon for the Ash Wednesday. And I know in, there is an English version of some of the sermons of St. Francis de Sales for Lent, which I recommend, of course, for your spiritual readings. Uh, quickly here, I would also uh, recommend uh, How to Profit from Your Fault. Very good book. It's a little book for Lent, How to Profit from Your Fault. Uh, again, it's Keeping the positive and negative here, refraining my evil tendencies, my uh, passions, and on the contrary, trying to use my faults for something positive, how, how I can, you know, uh, grow from my mistakes. So that's, again, the um, how to profit from my faults. I can't remember the author, but he is very Salesian in <coughs> the sense that he uses quotes from St. Francis' de sales a lot, or at least his spirituality. Um, St. Paul has insisted a lot on the necessity of mortification. Morse, as I said, the Latin root, Morse, death, killing sin in us. So there is something negative here, killing sin in us. Not killing ourselves, but on the contrary, a necessary death that will set us free and more than ever, a life positive aspect. Death ...which unites us to the cross... ...that's more negative again... Ne- ...death... ...which unites us to the cross... ...St. Paul, you have undergone death... ...and your life is hidden away now with Christ in God... ...Christ is your life... ...positive... ...and when He is made manifest... ...you too will be made manifest in glory with Him... ...you must deaden then those passions in you... ...which belong to earth fornication and impurity, lust and evil desire, and that love of money which is an idolatry. And again, those who belong to Christ have crucified nature with all its passions, all its impulses. Since we live in the spirits, by the spirits, let the spirits be our rule of life. And elsewhere, in our baptism we have been buried with Him, died like Him. That so, just as Christ was raised up by His Father's power from the dead, negative to the positive, we too might live and move in a new kind of existence. Remember when he talks about the new man, new nature, new creature. We have to be closely fitted into the pattern of His resurrection as we have been into the pattern of His death. That's all St. Paul again. That you must be quit now of the old self, whose way of life you remember, the self that wasted its aim on false dreams. There must be a renewal in the inner life of your minds. You must be clothed in the new self, which is created in God's image, justified and <coughs> sanctified through the truth. And pay attention to the, the epistle tomorrow, uh, charity, Truth and Charity, which is the motto of the Institute as well. Uh, and he said to all alike, "If any man has a mind to come my way, let him renounce his self, and take up his cross daily and follow me. He who tries to save his life will lose it. It is the man who loses his life for my sake that will save it. How is a man the better for gaining the whole world if he loses himself? If he pays the forfeit of himself? So that was simply the first point. What it is? Again, keep in mind these two aspects, <clears throat> positive and negative, and how it, we have been affected in all our capacities, human capacities, because of original sin. And that leads us to regulating our passions, especially. These, in, these movements, these passionate movements in me that remain not um, controlled, uncontrolled, and therefore sinful, Which are this uh trying to control these passionate movements in in me are one of the most difficult things to do when it comes to spiritual life, because passions make my soul like blind, not able to see anymore, and therefore makes me act with haste, and we see that constantly you know we my my passions all these. Uh, either if it comes to anger or hatred or love, sometimes even you know love so much that then I start uh, yeah not my reason is kind of blind my what should guide the horse you know is kind of blind because of these passions, so we have to try to control that to avoid any haste in spiritual life that would create like a uh, how do you call it when you have electric wires and there is a gzz- and yeah. Uh, court circuit, I think I looked it up and they said there was no... Do you use short circuit? No. Short circuit. Short circuit. Short circuit. <laughs> okay, short circuit. Thank you. So my, my passions make my soul like blind. And they also, as you witness every day, tire my soul very quickly. My spiritual energies very quickly. All these passions. St. John of the Cross... Allow me to quote him a little bit, because he talks about that. In order that we, that what we have said may be the more clearly and fully understood, it will be well to sit down here and state how these desires, these passions are the cause of two serious evils in the soul. The one is that they deprive the soul of the Spirit of God. And the other is that the soul wherein they dwell is wearied. Tormented, darkened, defiled, and weakened. Those two evils, namely the private, privative, sorry, and the positive, may be caused by any disordered act of the desire. And speaking first of all of the privative, it is clear from the very fact that the soul becomes affectioned to a thing which comes under the head of creature, that the more the desire for that thing fills the soul. The less capacity has the soul for God. If I let my passions grow in me, then I don't as I said, we don't my soul is kind of blind, tired, and no capacity for God. Inasmuch as two contraries, according to the philosophers, cannot coexist in one person, and further, since as we said in the fourth chapter, blah blah blah, affection for God and affection for creatures are contraries, there cannot be contained within one will affection for creatures and affection for God. For what has the creature to do with the Creator? What has sensual to do with spiritual, visible with invisible, temporal with eternal, food that is heavenly, spiritual and pure, with food that is of sense alone and is purely sensual. Uh, Again, with regard to the first, it is clear that the desires weary and fatigue the soul as we said, for they are like restless and discontented children who are ever demanding this or that from their mother and are never contented and even as one that digs because the, he covets the treasure is wearied and fatigued even so is the soul weary and fatigued in order to attain that which its desires demand of it and although it, in the end it may attain it it is still weary because I Sorry, because it is never satisfied. For after all, the cisterns which it is digging are broken and cannot hold water to satisfy thirst. Mm -hmm. (coughs) Yeah, maybe the last paragraph. I don't very often quote St. John of the cross, so I'll do it today. And this, because it's sometimes difficult, and, um, <clears throat> and in this regard, it is still worse with desire. For the fire goes down when the wood is consumed, but desire, though it increases when fuel is added to it, decreases not correspondingly when the fuel is consumed. On the contrary, instead of going down, it does the fire when its fuel is consumed, it grows weak. Through weariness, for its hunger is increased and its food diminished. And of this Isaiah speaks, saying, Declinabit ad dexteram et tesuriet comedet ad sinistram et non saturabitur. This signifies, He shall turn to the right hand and shall be hungry, and he shall eat on the left hand and shall not be filled. For they that mortify not their desires or passions, when they turn, justly see the fullness of the sweetness of spirits of those who are at the right hand of God, which fullness is not granted to themselves. And justly, too, when they eat on the left hand, by which it is meant the satisfaction of their desire, with some creature comfort, they are not filled. For leaving aside that which alone can satisfy, they feed on that which causes them greater hunger. It is clear, then, that the desires... The passions, weary, and fatigue the soul. That was my whole point. Fatigue the soul. They weakened this passion. They weakened my willpower by pulling it in all kinds of directions. And finally, they um, dirt my soul. They dirt the soul. uh, And they impede this perfection, this union with God. So how can we practice this asceticism of my passions? Asceticism, same as mortification. Okay. Are you all with, are familiar with the word asceticism? Being an ascetic? Aesthetic? Ascetic? Aesthetic? Aesthetic? Aesthetic. 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 Has a better one? In England, what do you say? Asceticism.
1: Asceticism.
0: Asceticism is the... Right. Yes. the yeah. aesthetic- Asceticism, but the-, the person is an... Like aesthetic. Aesthetic? A-S-C-E-T-I-C. No. Uh, so among all these passions that we have to mortify, the first the very first one, which is already mm-hmm. supposed by all the other like supposed in the sense that they are already this uh passion is already present for all the other passions is first of all love, this sensitive love this love that was born from desire, joy, hope um, or hatred of what is contrary to contrary to what I need what I want so love is really the one that guides the whole uh, movement of all these passions, and you will pay attention tomorrow to the sermon, hopefully, and uh, the, I will mention this uh, importance of love and um, because it's part of the, the epistle tomorrow, and especially the connection between love, charity, and unity, and how we have lost this unity in the church, for instance, because charity has been lost, and we will see interesting facts about it. Uh, It is therefore convenient, necessary, since the love of God should be the motor, the the first thing in our lives, in our spiritual life. It is therefore necessary to do everything in order that this sensible love, this more sensitive love that I have, be totally uh, under the motion of this divine love. Two loves. Ours is much more Sensitive, it's always confusing in English because if have sensitive and sensible love. Uh, I think you said sensitive, more palpable, you know, because, again, uh, we are human beings, so we need our senses, senses, sensitive, uh, in order to have understanding of anything that surrounds us. So love, our love, is, of course, first of all, uh, something very sensitive, you know, because I can see, I can smell, I can touch, uh, all that. But it has to be under the protection, under the uh, authority, in a way, of this divine love, which is much more than just being a sensitive love. All right? (laughs) And this, again, why do we say this, that this sensitive love guides all my passions? Because when I have hatred, for instance, for something because my love has been hurt, you know. When I have joy, it's the result of a love I have for particular things. When I have all these passions of uh, uh, fear, because I'm, my comfort, my love, my self-love has been hurt in a way, and therefore I have this passion of fear. You see, everything is, remains under the authority, in a way, of these sensitive love enoughs. So if this first love is not uh, guided towards the divine love, can't expect much in our spiritual spiritual lives. This is why, you understand here, the spirituality of St. Francis de Sales, very positive, based on love. That's why he's called the doctor of the love of God. Because again, love really governs everything. And we're not talking here about uh, uh, charismatic love that would, you know... <laughs> it's, it's much more than that. It's a very manly a very manly love because again it's controlling this impetuous horse uh, and to start that we have to make sure that our sympathies friendships and so on or antipathies you say that be according to God God's will either in their object itself somebody's act for something, someone, or their intensity. So at the beginning of this uh, way of conversion, in us, because we are constantly in, in, in a conversion, uh, except if some of us here are already saints, which are, you know, there are three stages in spiritual life, but uh, here I'm talking, at least for myself, that's still on the first, and this way of conversion still from all these um, Inordinate passions, although they are necessarily, uh, sorry, this is French translation, so I apologize. Yeah, as we said, these passions are necessarily uh, inordinate. There is necessarily a disorder because of original sin. We can't do much about it. It's part of our nature, fallen nature, which we'll never be able to get rid of it. But still, it is diff- difficult to submit them to the will of God, to the divine love. But that's why we talk about constant conversion in our own lives, because, again, we have to reordinate all these movements in us, which will never be perfect, so, you know, that's why when it comes to scruple, for instance, well, we have to humble ourselves and realize, yeah, well, I'll never be perfect, that's why, by the way, you know that the logo for the famous car, um, what is it, the Cooper, Mini Cooper, Mm -hmm. what's the brand? England, you should know, they have tons of Mini Cooper in England, Uh, (laughs) No, no, it's the... Maybe it's part of this bigger one, but maybe it's just Cooper. The, this, the logo with all the, the two wings with seven feathers on one side and eight on the other side because perfection is not of this world. So the guy decided to show that through the seven feathers on one side and eight, I think, or four or five, whatever, mm-hmm. on the other side. just You can meditate while driving if you see a mini Cooper. <laughs> Uh, so, in order to fight against these passions, nothing, as you know, virtues, stat, in medio stat virtus, virtue is, stands in the middle. There is a right balance to have. It's not too much oh, uh, on one side or too much on the other. No. It's everything with balance. And the fathers of the church, the early fathers of the church, early monk, would talk about... It's kind of a virtue. I think there is a, a here. Yeah. So don't ask me the exact... Uh, pronunciation or the etymology of this word. I'm not sure... But it's this uh, kind of inner peace that we need to have, you know, keeping control of ourselves. And it's not like we're not talking about the stoic behavior that would just, you know, <laughs> try to uh, ignore the fallen nature. No, it's taking uh, realizing that my nature has been affected and going from their baby steps little by little. That's what spiritual life is all about baby steps, trying to calm down these passions, nothing with haste as we said at the beginning but everything with calm, and again St. Francis de Sales is a perfect example for that although he had a very strong, very uh, impetuous temperament, if you read his biography by Trochu which I recommend, it's two big volumes but Trochu is very good if you want to read The Life of uh, Saint Jean-Marie Viennet excellent, it's about that big but it's really really good Jean-Marie Vianney or Francis de Sales. He was a bishop or at least a monsignor. Trochu, No? Yeah. Um, So yeah, we see that in the life of St. Francis de Sales. You're not trying to calm down. That's what, in confession, for instance, you probably heard that or in conferences or whatever, you know, when it comes to impatience, well, most of the time or even grave temptations against whatever uh, virtue uh, most of the time, just simply breathing, you know, and I'm not talking about these yoga or <laughs> new age stuff, but simply, yeah, take your time. Just breathe for a second and give oxygen to your brain and try to use your reason a little bit more because your passion is kind of blind you, you know, when you have a movement of anger. Rah, rah. Well, calm down for a second. Why am I upset? Okay, for that little thing. He didn't clean the... Dishwasher or whatever, he didn't. Uh, he always put his shoes uh, this spot, whatever. Well, okay, no big deal. Calm down and you will see that uh, the, 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 the amount of, you know, if we had a thermometer with our passions, you know, it gets very hot. Well, just the fact that I take a second to use my reason, that will diminish a lot this boiling water in me and uh, simple ways to avoid many, many sins as well. But again, sometimes we do everything out of haste, because we let these passions take over. So we have to practice what they call the Ezekiel. I could have spent more time on this virtue. I didn't really look it up. Uh, this um, peace, inner peace, peace that we should uh, keep in us. Peace, tranquility of the mind and of the soul. But again, to acquire this peace, this Ezekiel, yeah, uh, there is a certain combat we have to uh, fight. It's not something easy either. Christ said it, I didn't come here on earth, I don't remember the exact quote, I didn't come here on earth to bring peace, but the sword. So again, we find this balance. He's the peace, though. He's the peace, and he says, I'm not here, God is peace. So, of course, there is no contradiction but we have to keep the two. Uh, And sometimes, as I said, it's not being totally Stoic, you know, this heresy or this philosophical mistake in the early centuries of Stoicism, when you would just ignore these passions. No, we are not asked to ignore them. We are asked to work with them and guide them. So this Stoicism at the beginning that we also see today in some Forms of spiritual heresies um, it would be it would be sinful in some situation to lack of courage to lack of willpower to fight the, the right fight so again, keep the two. however, there is one passion that is not very Silesian and that you normally don't need to uh, deal much with to grow it in you. It's the passion of anger. Usually it's already pretty quick. And uh, in us, St. Francis de Sales, uh, do not recommend to uh, work too much on how to use this positive anger. (laughs) Most of the time it's just better to uh, refrain it more than trying to grow it in us. Now, more practical advice is, so as to um, help us to, again mortify these passions. How to regulate these passions? We saw the different movements in us. Now, practically speaking, how can I uh, re- refrain these passions in me? I mentioned just trying to use my reason, trying to just take a, a minute to think. That's one thing. Now, we need, of course, a lot of simplicity as well. Good health is important, you know, that's why our superiors always make sure, like Monsignor Schmitz, one of the first questions when he came last week to me was, do you take the time to exercise? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I try to, once every two months. (laughs) No, this is not good. (laughs) It's probably because he knows me as well, I need to exercise. Not that I'm for my health, but my impetuous temperament, uh, that's why I have a punching ba- bag in the basement. <laughs> we know what to get you for Christmas next year. <laughs> Actually, coming kind of straight, I got one also for Christmas, but a little one on his desk. Is <laughs> this? <laughs> uh. so we need a good health that's important if you're tired don't expect you to be able to fight against all these bad tendencies you have well it's human we're a body and a soul don't ignore the body if the body is tired you know if you need to rest if you need to uh, tell your husband okay now I, or your husband needs to tell your wife well I need to take a nap or whatever don't think oh he blah, blah, always takes naps and I never you know, well maybe he needs it maybe it's better for you, you know? <laughs> well I Works both ways, okay? <laughs> um, all these practical things. Go together, you know, outside, do something more relaxing. If the St. Francis give the image of a bow. If the bow is always tight, it breaks. And if you have done some uh, bow hunting or whatever, you know that you should never, for instance, use the bow without arrows in it. It really damaged the bow. So... Um, same thing, if you're constantly like that, one day you'll explode without having any purpose of it, and therefore that's bad for your spiritual life. Mortification of my curiosities. Don't give to your passions all the food that will excite them, that will nourish uh, these, these, don't put in you what would nourish these passions, these evil passions, these bad tendencies you have. Curiosity of the eyes, the ears, What I listen to, what I look at. Practicing this asceticism with good readings for Lent. I mentioned two books sane and saint readings. Spirit of faith. Importance of cultivating enough this spirit of faith. If I don't understand everything, why this? Why this is happening to my life in my life? Why these problems? Why that in the church? Well, spirit of faith. And you will see that if you keep this spirit of faith, it will keeps you in this, keeps in you this inner peace that is necessary for spiritual life. You know, if you're always worried, always trying to see answers to get the answers for why all this, why that, why, well, you're constantly in this, you know, tension, this anxiety, which is not, um, how do you say, um, prosperous for spirit prosperous for spiritual life. So, spirit of faith very important asceticism when it comes to my duties in life. As a husband, fulfilling my duties 100% as a wife, not looking elsewhere, not trying to find ways to escape from this routine which is necessary for me, not trying to escape from my duties as a father, as a husband, as a priest, as a brother, as whatever vocation God gives you, that helps to keep focused like the horse again, you know. If he's on the track, it's much easier for you to control him. If you're in the middle of a field well, there is high grass everywhere, trust me, it's much harder for the horse to, for you to control the horse, Um, yeah, and of course, mortification of self-spirits, my, my, my myself, my desires, uh, my self-will, all these things that are mine, but sometimes, well, I need to remember, no, not my will, but his, you know, God's will, or my neighbor's, practicing this little combat in me against these sometimes selfish tendencies I have. Um, Now let's go in more details. Um, Let's look at the mortification of the senses. External senses, first of all. Remember, we have external senses. Uh, And internal senses. The first external senses... Remember that these senses are like the, the windows of my soul. The windows of my soul. Through my senses, because again, I'm a human being, so I need my senses you know, to grasp the reality that surrounds me. I need my senses, so everything that um, I look at, I touch, and so on, that's what fills my soul as well. Windows of the soul. So do not open these windows to any kind of draft, wind, uh, tempest, storm that is around you. Don't be surprised if you um, quickly feel the bad effects of the influence of the world when it comes, for instance, the news today. You know, all these news. Yeah, well, I don't need... I rarely read the news, and that doesn't mean that I don't know anything about what's going on out there. You know, <laughs> I hear enough from you all. <laughs> so, uh... Yeah, don't open these windows, you know, to any kind of things you read on the news because, again, that is not helpful. So that can be a good mortification for land, you know, not spending that much time on the news because, again, there is no, I mean, I don't know how many centuries survived before us without knowing what was going on across, you know, the states or the country or the next village, the next village even, you know so they survived so I guess we can also survive Um, prudence is therefore here too we have charity love we mentioned that but prudence is also a very important virtue to acquire to grow in us during this time of Lent prudence prudence when it comes to my sense of sight hearing uh, because that It's particularly the easiest way for all these worldly things to get in in my soul. That's the easiest way, the sight and hearing. hearing. So I should mortify that with more prudence. Blah, blah, blah. I skip because I'm real late. (coughs) Uh, Yeah, I skip the smell. That can be one also that should be mortified. It doesn't mean that's, you know... I shouldn't take the minimum necessary hygiene uh, (laughs) (laughs) and we're stuff that we're reminded at the seminary sometimes, no, shower every day, you know these things, okay, you want to act like a monk, well if you become a burden for half of the community because you (laughs) stink (laughs) no, thank you if the priests want to use a little bit of that's very French uh, cologne or whatever you call it perfume in the confessional, well, fine. I mean, I'd rather have someone who smells good, and than someone you go into confessional, and that happens sometimes. You know, you're like mm. <laughs> it's a real mortification to confess your sins. So, no, I mean, there is a there is a balance to have here as well. I mean, Saint Francis of Sales also is very, you know, is very uh, merciful in a way for that. He says, no, if it's for the common good, you know, if it's better for the community, you know, well. Yeah, keep, keep these things But of course, again, right balance to have When it comes to smell When it comes to um, touch and all that Now, regarding the internal senses Internal senses, especially imagination and memory um, Imagination, we talk about imagination as this chatter of the mind Chatter? Mm-hmm. Chatter of the mind Uh, memory my memory also which recalls to our spirits everything that I have put in there so if I let these windows open all the time I shouldn't be surprised to afterwards you know be bothered in my imagination when I want to meditate when I want to be in peace or whatever well if I put all this information well impossible to calm down to have this inner peace if I have watched violent movies or video games or whatever information that were themselves kind of violent if not not necessarily graphic, but at least violent, you know, strong, well, I shouldn't be surprised that that affects my behavior as well. You know all this, but... So sometimes, yeah, practice this mortification of these internal senses, such as memory and imagination, being careful with what I put in there again. You see the connection, of course, between internal and external senses. Um, And we know for sure that the devil has a certain power, as I already said, he has a certain power over my imagination and memory. Okay, He can play with that. He can play with whatever I put in my mind. He cannot affect my um, um, my freedom, my capacity to, to choose, but he can bother me with these faculties, with imagination and memory. Okay, He can just put a computer. Well, I have this in my mind over there. Well, I'll just put it here. He can play with that. So don't give him any... Uh, tools to bother you even more. More weapons. Vigorous, vigorous mortification of these external senses so as to uh, protect these internal senses as well. Mortification, asceticism of my memories. As we said, my memories, past memories, especially for ladies here, I think it's more obvious. You know, going back to these bad, sad, hurtful memories, you know, no. Just put on these wounds the balm of mercy, of forgiveness. You know, if you constantly re—I don't know—you probably have a word for that. You know, re, re-hash. 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 rehash, rehash, replay these bad memories. Yeah, don't expect to grow. Just leave them back there and grow and uh, spirit of faith. Don't go back either, don't go back to places, either mentally or physically, to places that would rekindle some of these inordinate passions that you have, especially when it comes to impurity. Uh, So good readings, finally good readings, that keeps uh, nourishing your memory and imagination with good things, good uh, thoughts, that's important. That can be a little resolution for Lent. 15 minutes of spiritual reading, for instance, before going to bed. Yeah, well, actually, I forgot to put the long quote from St. Francis of Sales, but it's fine because it's already late. And this way you can yourself find it online. There's a PDF you can easily find of the Sermon of St. Francis of Sales for Ash Wednesday, at least this one. And you also have uh, little books. I don't know if we have some available here, but with the Lenten sermons from St. Francis of Sales that you can use uh, for Lent, of course. All right? Yes. Great. Thank you for your attention, and we'll start benediction as soon as possible. Thank you. The I am the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Saint Michael, the Archangel. Defend us in battle. Be our, our protection against the wickedness and snares of the of devil. The May God rebuke him in the holy way. And do thou, Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God. God. Souls. Amen. Most Sacred Heart of Jesus, and mercy on us. most Sacred Heart of Jesus, and mercy on us. most Sacred Heart of Jesus. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us, Our Lady of Lords, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen.